Hi, this is Julia from CT Improv, and I'm here with Kate Sidley. Kate, say hi. Hi. And this is one of our long series of Meet So-and-So in CT Improv. <laughs> so today you're going to meet Kate. Um, so Kate is one of the founding members of CT Improv. Um, I met Kate pretty much right away when I moved to Hartford because she lived uh, – not even across the street. We could see her front window from our back window, so. I met you the day you moved to Hartford, right? Did you? I don't Didn't remember. you come to yes, class the right. day that you, you moved here? Yes. yes. Yes, I did. I came to Flying Blind at Hartford Stage, and Kate was there. She had already taken Flying Blind 1. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Kate, tell us a little bit about yourself. My name is Kate. <laughs> <laughs> Got that. <laughs> um... Where are you from? I'm from Cleveland, Ohio, uh, but right now I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I'm in grad school studying theater. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, not just theater, right? Criti- theater, history, and criticism. Yeah, yeah, which I find on a nerd level super cool. <laughs> so do I, but the title of the program is long, so I usually just say I study theater. Oh, whatever. We're, <laughs> we're all nerds here, and I find it exciting. <laughs> but um, why don't you tell us about, like, uh, what led you up to CT Improv, what your, you know, what your theater history was, and mm-hmm. then how you actually got involved in CT itself? Sure. Um, well, I've always been involved in theater since I was little. Um, mm-hmm. And comedy, because my dad is a stand-up comic, so I was sort of brought up around a lot of uh, comedians and things like that. So um, they always sort of went together for me. And then the first time I ever did improv was in college. We had a classmate who I think was had was taking classes at Second City or something like that, or had mm-hmm. taken classes at Second City, and so he decided he was going to start an improv troupe, and it sort of fell through. We only met a few times, but um, it was really fun. I liked it a lot. So uh, my focus was never acting or anything, but I just really liked improv mm-hmm. and comedy, um, and I never really perform stand-up or anything. I just was sort of around the community in Cleveland, and I hosted, I was a hostess at a, a short-lived comedy club. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> called the, uh, it was called the Ground Floor Theater, but it was on the second floor of the building, <sighs> so <laughs> patrons could never find it. And on the first floor of the building was a sports bar that also had a stage in it. Oh, God. So people would come and go into the sports bar and order drinks and assume that was the comedy club. And then they'd, by the time they'd realize it wasn't, they'd be like, well, we already ordered drinks. We'll just stay here. So that is, you know, I feel like that's a classic, like, cutesy name mistake. Like, ha, ha, ha. Oh, totally. Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> no one will come. You don't want your joke to be the wrong address of your theater. <laughs> Oh, my God. Um, So you did improv. No, wait. I have a question. Yes. So Ohio. Yes. That's close to Chicago. So do you Mm -hmm. think there's, like, a a large comedy and and improv influence in in Cleveland, where you're from? Um, I feel like the the improv influence in Cleveland is definitely from Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, There is an improv... Uh, There was, when I was growing up, they've since lost their permanent facility, but there was um, a group called Cabaret Dada, Mm. Um, and they did improv shows that are very much like what you see at Second City, Mm -hmm. Um, sort of the two-act sketch 
an improv combo. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know whatever happened. I think that the group is still together, but they lost the, the physical space they had, which was in a basement. Just funny. We've discussed a lot about improv theaters being in basements. And it so was many basement. improv theaters are in basements. Yeah. I just thought about that. I, I guess it's like a grassroots, literal underground yeah. cheap thing. Yeah. Huh. Wow. All right. So you did improv in college, and then and then what happened? Um. Then I just focused on doing theater backstage stuff. I didn't do anything on stage. I started on the track to become um, a stage manager, actually, and like signed up to get equity points. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I was totally on the track to do that, and then I was like, I hate this I (laughs) what did you hate about it um I it just felt like being it felt like being a mom in a weird Mm. way (laughs) um and I I wanted something more more fun and more creative and I totally I mean I totally respect stage management and there are a lot of things that I enjoy about it like the fact that it's primarily organization and I love you know, putting things in binders and being organized. (laughs) But I wanted some adventure, so I joined the Peace Corps. Awesome. uh, And taught English and theater at basically, like, the equivalent of, like, the fame high school, but in Romania. Romania. (laughs) Are they going to live forever? Um, (laughs) I guess that remains to be seen. So, wow. Okay, so you're in Romania for a couple years. Yep, 27 months. Wow. Wow. You're still to the month. Oh, yeah. Do you miss it? No. I I mean, there are things about it that were great. I think it's a great experience, and anyone who's listening should consider joining the Peace Corps. But uh, I think for me it was exactly what I needed at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that feeling. And now I think I've moved on from that. But I think at the time I really needed an experience that what I needed to do something that I wasn't certain I could do. Mm -hmm. So in every way, particularly being, I didn't come back to the U S at all during those 27 months. Wow. Did your family come out and see you? They came once Wow, for 10 days. So I saw my family for 10 days in 27 months. 10 days must've been really memorable though. Don't take those. They were, they were, like, really high pressure, though. So, like, I have ten days to, like, have every, like, sentimental family experience that yes. you would have in over two years. So, yeah, it's tough. And it was also the hottest week um, in Romania in, like, years. Like, people died. It was so <laughs> hot. No Sidleys, though. No. I hope. But it was still uncomfortable. So, teaching in Romania, how... Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some teaching too in China and it was just a really fascinating experience to have to communicate, you know, like American cultural viewpoints and experiences in, within these other subjects like theater. Mm-hmm. How, how did you find teaching theater to Romanian kids? Did they, were there certain concepts they grab, grabbed really quick or things they found challenging that you were surprised by or, um, I got lucky because most of the students that I had that, wanted to work on theater were the students who were more fluent in English. Mm-hmm. So the language challenges were a lot easier. Um, I don't know. I mean, they were really, 
really receptive to trying it out because they don't like theater education doesn't really exist in the in their education system yet. Mm-hmm. It's still very much um, a detached thing. It's something you do over the summer or with a separate organization or as an after school program, mm-hmm. which I guess is kind of, <laughs> it's kind of becoming true in the U.S. But <laughs> oh, laugh, cry. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, no. Okay, but then that that's great. That's a great transition. So you came back to the U.S. and yes. you started – did you immediately start working at Hartford Stage? Yeah, I actually interviewed for my Hartford Stage job while I was in Romania. Oh, my God. At, like, midnight because of the time difference. Mm-hmm. So – With Matt Newfeld? I did. Um, and I Matt actually doesn't know the story, but when he first interviewed me, I had come back from a trip from uh, – I'd gone to Turkey – um, and I had been traveling for 24 hours nonstop. I was filthy, like to a level of filthy that you feel like in your heart, like so, so filthy. Yeah. And I came home and I was like, I don't want to sit on my furniture cause I'm that gross. But I had to like let the water boiler heat up to have hot water to shower. So I was like, okay, I'll do the interview and then I'll take a hot shower and then I'll eat and it'll be great. And like, he didn't call and he didn't call. And I had no internet access, and I was like, well, maybe he emailed, maybe something happened, and he's not going to call. I don't know what to do. I don't want to miss this interview. So, But I didn't want to sit on my furniture because right. my clothes were dirty. And I didn't so you're just standing in the middle of the room waiting for life to, to happen. happen. <laughs> but I really, I was so tired. I wanted to sit down. So, But I didn't want to put on clean clothes because I didn't have a ton of clothes. I didn't want to dirty another outfit. So I just took all my clothes off and I was laying on the couch and then I was like, oh, I'm hungry. I can't wait. And somebody had sent me a jar of peanut butter. So I made a huge peanut butter sandwich and I'm like three bites into a giant peanut butter sandwich <laughs> in my underwear and Matt calls and he's something like they, it took them forever to figure out how to make a long distance phone call from the office is what happened. So I ended up getting the job and I did a fantastic interview with a mouthful of peanut butter in my in underwear your in Romania. Perfect. And that's how I got the job. You should tell him that. <laughs> well, he'll hear it now. Yeah. So we should say now that Matt Newfeld is the person. Okay. So Kate started working at Hartford Stage as an apprentice, an education apprentice. That mm-hmm. was your title. Yep. And, uh, one of the other people who works at Hartford Stage was Matt Newfeld, who was teaching these, improv classes called Flying Blind 1, 2, and 3. And Kate met Summer, who was another education apprentice, and you guys signed up for Flying Blind. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll let you take it from there. Then what happened? Uh, then we took classes. <laughs> uh, and yeah. out of those classes, out of those classes, um, Greg was just telling me this yesterday. We, we couldn't remember the exact history, but like in the first class... Um, it was you and Greg and Summer, and then, mm-hmm. and John was there for, like, a minute, or the first class or something. Yeah, yeah, he didn't finish the, yeah, I don't know what happened. he wasn't in Flying Blind 1, and then Flying Blind 2, Dan, Dan John, and, John. and I all appeared. Yes. And, and then it was just us for Flying Blind 3, is that right? It was just us for, no, no, uh, Joe appeared for Harold Who. Joe took was Harold that? 2, okay. and then we all took Flying Blind 3. Oh. And Flying Blind 3 was just us. Oh, okay. yeah, we we did crazy... <laughs> One thing that CT does is document everything, like, it's our job. 
So we went through all the emails and we're like, what came first and which one was just us and which one wasn't? Yeah, but okay. that, that was the order. All right, so. yeah, yeah. And then by yeah. Flying Bind 3, we were, we were just CT. But we weren't CT yet. No, we weren't. We yeah. weren't. We became CT after we finished. Well, actually, basically, during Flying Blind 3, we were doing some extra rehearsals. And... Oh, I've just been handed a note. <laughs> yeah, okay, wait. It seems we forgot to mention Karen. <laughs> Karen Koenig. Who uh, was in 3.13? Okay. Yeah. This is... Let's describe to you the scene right here. <laughs> we're in... There's a silent participant My apartment. In this uh, Julia and Greg's apartment, and I'm trying to work on a puzzle... And Kate is drinking a glass of water. Everyone else, by the way, has, like, eaten like a pig while being interviewed. So, kudos to you. I'm the healthy one. Tell me if you get hungry. (laughs) Um, Wait, although, no, that's not really accurate because Steph brought a pie and I ate the pie. So, (laughs) I guess I ate like a pig. But anyway, so we're in our apartment and Greg is listening and puttering around and pretending he's not here. But now we all know you're here, Greg. So, you can make noise if you want. And we know we forgot about Karen. Yeah, sorry. I feel bad now. Karen. Karen is a totally awesome person who we love, and we wanted her to be in CT, but she's an English teacher and therefore has, like, tons of time commitments. Well, I know parent, which is probably the bigger time commitment oh, yeah. than the teaching. forgot about those kids. She has twin girls. They're awesome. I feel like I should eat now. Is there still brownies? No, you ate them yesterday. Oh. Greg's going to get you a snack. <laughs> get her a snack, Greg. There's one bite of brownie left. There's one bite of brownie. Done. Yes. Okay. So, Thank all right, you. now we have the history over. Mm-hmm. Oh, except we should say that you, so, <laughs> <Thank you>. <laughs> <laughs> how's that brownie? It's delicious. I made those, thanks. They're That's very good. definitely the best thing I've made in a while, because I put extra chocolate chips in them. I noticed. Thanks. <laughs> They're Ghirardelli milk chocolate chips. Mm, thank you. Um... Anyway, so you fa- you founded CT with uh, the other six of us, and mm-hmm. then you were here, and we took the newbies, blah, 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 mm-hmm. and then you moved to Brooklyn to get your master's from Brooklyn College. I did. So that's where you are now. We mm-hmm. miss you. Mm-hmm. But you're here all the time. Like, you're here right now. I am here a lot, including yeah. right now. Yes. <laughs> so what are some of your favorite things about CT, or any, any thoughts, any reflections? Sure. My favorite thing about CT... Perfect. (laughs) ...is... Well, I'll say, I think the thing that CT has that is unique, and I think a key to our success, is the fact that we are all people who I think, had we met in real life, may not necessarily have become friends. Definitely not. Um... We all are extremely different people from extremely different backgrounds. So, and I think that's hugely important. Yeah. Because we each bring different skill sets, and we also each bring things that um, uh, the other people in the group don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's not like this spiral of, like, incestuous ideas and references. Yes, I totally agree. I mean, it's really forced us to constantly learn from each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like the amount of Al Pacino movies I've watched in the last year, just to keep up with everybody else, mm-hmm. it has 
I mean, that sounds like a joke, and I, I sort of was joking, but no, it's true. Like, every single rehearsal, I'm like, oh, I gotta learn more about, you know, mm-hmm. Al Pacino movies, or string theory, or cloud computing, or whatever, because these are cult- things in the world that, like, one or two of us know of. Yeah. And we're trying to exchange ideas. Yeah. I and mean, even within improv, like, people who are more interested in short form or long form, or sketch, or stand-up, or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's good that we have a blend of those voices coming into. Oh, absolutely. And I, I mean, it'll become clear when you hear all the podcasts, you know, you and Summer and Greg have a really solid theatrical background that the rest of us don't. So it's, I feel like it's great to have both that it's like, oh yeah, for a big chunk of the group, it's like a theater, you know, you can see it in the context of theater. Your stage work is great. You know, we can think of it as as a type of theater and then and then it's great that there are some people that don't come in with all those preconceived notions of what theater has to be so yeah it's been really cool yeah all right so that's enough about ct why don't you tell (laughs) us um why don't you give us a sense of like the kind of thing things you find funny like what's one thing in the world you find really funny a movie or any anything at all uh Probably my favorite um, comedic actor in anything that he's done is Harpo Mark. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I have a very <laughs> deep place in my heart for Harpo Marks. Um, I, I mean, with my dad um, being a stand-up, he, like, it was important to him growing up that we had, like, a solid... Uh, sense of like the basics of like comedy yeah yeah and like funny movies so he made us watch <laughs> um like i think i think it may have broken his heart one time you put in like a marx brothers movie and i was like oh this is just like animaniacs oh <laughs> and he was like no animaniacs is just like this um the tragic reverse reference i know <laughs> um but the reason i like harpo marx Aside from the fact that he's just a brilliant artist, is that I think that he's a good... Like, a lot of what I hear from people, um, like, even in the theater world, who I tell that I do comedy or improv, um, they talk about this, like, stereotype that everybody who does comedy is, like, really troubled. Mm. And, you know you get your inspiration from, like, being an alcoholic and doing drugs and having a horrible life, and all comics are, like, sad off stage. Yeah. And I love comics who break that stereotype. Yeah. Harpo Marx was... He had a huge family. He loved being a dad. He had a ton of kids. Um, He got married pretty late in life. Um, He... uh, At one point later on in uh, the career of the Marx Brothers films... They wanted to do another film. It was pretty late. It was one of their last films. And he couldn't do it because he had decided to take a year traveling around Russia playing um, the harp. And because he was just an accomplished musician. Mm -hmm. And he said, this is an important part of my life, too. I'm going to do this for a year. We can make the movie when I come back. Yeah. And that's what they did. Yeah, it's it's harp year. Yeah. the end. And I have such respect for someone who has varied artistic abilities mm-hmm. and interests. Um, he's so, 
I mean, watching him too, he's just so likable. Yeah. And not and not in a saccharine way, you know? Yeah. He just radiates something you just want to watch him and and you want to like keep seeing him do his thing. It's just uncontroversially funny to me. <laughs> and I guess to take that back to CT, I think that's part of the the thing that I enjoy is I feel like what I see in the Marx Brothers movie is a joy, probably, I mean, because they're brothers, but a joy of playing together. Mm-hmm. And I like that. I like being in a group and seeing groups where you can definitely tell when a group just likes making each other laugh. Yes. You can hugely see that. Absolutely. Because, you know what it is, too, is like... So, so much of comedy comes from a moment of surprise, you know? Mm-hmm. And to know each other so well and still be able to surprise each other. Yeah. And therefore make each other laugh. It's really challenging. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, there's nothing less funny when you know exactly the joke someone's going to make ten seconds before they make it. Mm-hmm. And the members of CT really constantly are cracking me up. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's great. Everybody still surprises me all the time with their ideas and their verbal and mental dexterity, physical dexterity even, really. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. There, we were at the ESPN show the other day. We were playing Chain Murder Mystery, and John and Joe were up there together for, like, a long time, maybe five or six minutes, and mm-hmm. they were just enjoying watching each other mind things, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was really fun to watch. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, a couple more things, then I'll let you go. Sure. Pretty much the last thing. I'm making everyone do this. All right. Off the top of your head, tell us five random facts about you. Oh, man. Not related to the things you've already said. They can be related, but... Can they be... Are they supposed to be facts that you don't know? Or just, like, matter. fun facts? Fun facts. Okay. I don't know how to swim. That's oh, yeah. always my primary fun That's fact. a great fact. Because that's unusual. <laughs> I'm not afraid of water. It just, it sort of never came up. I've I seen just you never learned. walk through the water slowly. I've been told it looks <laughs> silly. <laughs> it looks hesitant. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's the big one. I don't know how to swim. Um, I am currently endeavoring to learn how to... Uh, stand and then walk on my hands. That's my goal for this year. So what's your strategy? Do you have a training program? Um, I'm trying to build up upper body strength and also just comfort with being upside down. (laughs) Because I feel like a lot of it's mental. Yeah. So I'm doing a lot of like yoga poses in which I'm upside down and just trying to be like, Do you do the one, I don't know where it's called, where you're lying on your back and then you... Slowly bring your legs straight up and then over like this. Yeah. I'm making an arm motion. Sorry, podcast. I think it's called the plow. Yes. That is what it is. I think it's called the plow. Yeah. Yeah. That one's tough, too, because you have to get over, like, feeling like... Yeah. Funny story. My sister's also a yoga teacher. Uh Uh-huh. And I took a class with her once, but nobody else in the class knew that I was her sister. Mm. And we were doing um, plow. And for some reason that day, I had some, like, I don't know. I got into my head about it, and I, like, couldn't get my legs all the way back over my head. Um, and she was like, I've seen you do this. 
do the pose. And I was like, I, I don't know. I'm not feeling it today. I can't do it. And she walked past. She was like, wuss. And everybody in the class was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that is not teacher. a very yogic thing to do. <laughs> and then she had to go to the class and be like, it's okay. She's my sister. I don't talk that way to my students. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's funny. Um, so there you go. That's a third fact. My sister is a corset maker slash yoga teacher. That is a really good fact. Well, I, I feel like it comes up a lot. The, the corsets. I guess I bring it up. It is interesting. Her corsets are called mentionables. Because mm-hmm. you like. should feel free to talk about your underwear. Yeah. Good, good plug. <laughs> Greg, do you agree? Greg's, Greg's nodding. Greg's Harpo marksing. it. <laughs> <Greg. laughs> um, All right, you got two more. All right, two more fun facts. Um, I won't kill a cockroach because I heard somewhere that if you squish them it like they release something that attracts more cockroaches like there's something that's probably not true at all but I have this fear of squishing a cockroach because I feel like it like releases a pheromone that will attract other cockroaches oh my god so I I wonder if that's true trap them or I vacuum them oh I try to I try to dispose of them whole Oh, God. Do you have a lot of roaches in your apartment? No, but enough that I've developed this strategy. Wow. Um. (laughs) Now Greg's flipping out. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I guess a fifth fun fact would be, um, I've never personally had a pet. Really? Yeah. You didn't have any growing up? Nope. Not even a fish? Nope. No animals. Mm. But you like animals. I do. I've lived with other people's pets. Yes. But I've never independently had a pet. That just makes you all the more independent. Doesn't it means you don't have to go home and take care of anything. That's true. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kate, any last thoughts or feelings? Um, I'm pretty excited to finish this brownie. Oh, totally. And to hear all the podcasts. Yay. We're going to have you back soon to talk about other stuff. Cool. Yay, I hope you had fun. I did. Say bye. Bye.